It's time for Dishing Up Nutrition with licensed nutritionist Darlene Kavist. Each week, Darlene explains the connection between what you eat and how you feel. Stay tuned to hear practical, real-life solutions for healthier living through good nutrition. Dishing Up Nutrition is brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness. Slow down, you move too fast. You got to make the morning last. Just kick down. Welcome to Dishing Up Nutrition, brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness, a company specializing in life-changing nutritional information. I'm Darlene Kavis, licensed nutritionist, and today, this life-changing nutritional information is all about what to feed your pets so they stay healthy. Joining me today is our local expert. She's our pet expert, Katie Canine. And many of you know Katie Canine from her Sunday late afternoon radio show right here on 107.1. And if you've listened to her, you know her passion about teaching people what and how to feed their pets. So welcome, Katie. Hey, remember? Good morning. Remember, you started your show eight years ago. In this time slot. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah, from eight to, it started out eight to nine, and then I went eight to ten. And now I've been on Sundays from 4 to 6 p.m. Uh, for about the last three years, I think it is. And, you know, I used to listen to your show. <laughs> I don't even have a pet. And I love, but I love your relaxed style. Well, thank your, you. your laughter, you know, and, but you have lots and lots of, you have a wealth of information about pets. Yep, and it's it's not it's obedience, but we also talk a lot about nutrition because if the dog's head is not right, if they're not feeling right, you can't teach them much. So that's how I started to get into nutrition about pets, and then plus I have quite a few cats, <laughs> and so I had to get into that side of it too. <laughs> so when people when people call into your show mm-hmm. on Sunday evening. What kind of pet food questions or what are they asking about? Usually it comes, uh, the nutrition came out of behavior. Some of the behaviors the cat or the dog is doing okay. is due to what they're being fed or not fed between supplements and their regular food. And so, so give me a, an example of that. Uh, some dog, they're calling, my dog is licking his, between his pads of his feet, you know, between mm-hmm. his toes. And it's it's inflamed. You know, what should I do right away? That's a, that's a nutrition problem. So I'll ask them what they were feeding and then I'll go, all righty then, let's change that. Let's try. <laughs> this and then give them some you know supplements and such like that and then usually in a couple of weeks they call up and go it's a miracle <laughs> so it works out pretty good so also joining us today is nutrition expert and author of several books including food politics safe food what to feed to or what to eat i'm sorry and um, pet food politics and right recently just it just came out her book on uh, Feed Your Pet Right is Mar- Dr. Marion Nessel. And Marion, I hope you're on the line. It's really nice to have you joining us this morning. Good morning to you. Good morning. Good. You're on the line. Yay. This is okay. The show is going to be great now. Yes. <laughs> uh, it's always nice when the technology works. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it is. So I want you to meet uh, Marion. This is Katie Canine. She's hey. on with us this morning. Good morning. Uh, delighted to meet you. Well, that was my back advice. At, oh, back at you. <laughs> so, Marion, one of the things that I noticed this, well, you know, I started preparing for this show, and there on the news, there was this research from the Pediatrics Journal, and um, even in some of our weight and wellness classes when I was teaching that night, people were aware that this report came out on the news, and it said that 
pet food can be a problem for humans. And so automatically I thought, you mean humans are eating pet food? <laughs> no, go. that wasn't quite what it was, was it? <laughs> so will, will you share with the audience what uh, was going on and why they said it's a problem for people? Sure. Well, I was amazed to see that article in pediatrics because I had written about that incident in my book, Pet Food Politics, which came out in 2008. Um, so this was an incident that happened some years ago where uh, there was salmonella in a dry pet food that came out of a factory in the United States. And the uh, people in the family of the dog that was eating the food, the the dogs were fine. Dogs and cats don't show the same kinds of uh, symptoms from salmonella that we do. But there were people in the family, either old ones or young ones or people with poor immune systems, who got sick from salmonella. It's a very complicated story because the tracing of the chain from the factory to the pet food to the people who got sick isn't exactly as clear as you might like it. And I used it in my book, Pet Food Politics, to talk about how hard it is to trace illnesses in animals and connect them to illnesses in people. So was this happening to more than one family, or was this just a one-case study? No, there were a lot of people who got sick. I don't remember the exact number. Um, But these things are not reported very well. Okay. Uh, Nobody really, I I mean, I don't know how to put this more politely, (laughs) but nobody really cares what happens with dogs and cats. And the, the, the book that I wrote, and the reason I wrote that book, Pet Food Politics, was because we had just had the pet food recalls in 2007 due to melamine in one of the ingredients in pet food. And everybody at the federal level acted as if it was a completely trivial problem. <laughs> and today they still don't know how many dogs and cats were affected by that pet food, but I certainly know plenty of people whose dogs and cats died because they ate a pet food that had melamine in it. And I thought it was really an important subject because if we didn't clean up the pets, the food supply for pets, we were going to have trouble with the food supply for people because there's only one food supply. They eat the same food we do, just different parts. That's right. Um, and sure enough, melamine turned up in infant formula in China uh, six months later. And I hated to say I told you so, but I told you so. <laughs> you know what, though? What was one common thread during that uh, the pet recall was that a lot of the pet owners said that their pets would not eat the food. And so mm-hmm. what they would do is doctor it up to get the dog to eat the food. They just thought the dog was being, you know, you know, picky. Yeah, yeah. And so then they found out later that, you know, now I tell everybody, all my clients and, uh, and my listeners that, you know, if your dog doesn't want to eat it, there's a reason. They got good smell. They, there's a lot of times they know a lot better than we do. Yeah, and try something else. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Marion, would you just explain a little bit about what is melamine? I don't think people that are not listening and think, or really reading and knowing about this are even aware of what it is. Well, melamine is an industrial chemical that's used to make plastic dinnerware, and in plastic dinnerware it's fixed and it's safe. So you can use melamine dinnerware mm-hmm. without any problem. Uh, Most of the melamine is made in China, and the process of making it creates something called melamine scrap, which is a waste product of melamine. And ordinarily, you would just throw it away or dump it into the water supply. But melamine happens to be a compound that's extremely high in nitrogen, 
which is a very rare element um, and very important nutritionally. And so for decades, maybe even longer than that, people have looked for ways to use melamine in some useful way. They tried it out as fertilizer. It didn't work. Um, They tried it out as animal feed. It didn't work. It killed the animals. That was work that was done 40 or 50 years ago, but forgotten and in obscure veterinary literature where it's not generally read. Um, and then, but all along, there have been unscrupulous producers who would put melamine into protein-containing foods because the test for protein doesn't actually test for protein, it tests for nitrogen. Okay. And melamine can fool those tests into thinking that whatever it's in is high in protein, even when it isn't. And so the, some unscrupulous producers in China who were producing an ingredient called wheat gluten, which is just wheat protein, um, were making it out of regular wheat flour and melamine, and it looked like, on testing, it looked like it had a, pro- a lot of protein in it. Um, but the, that would have been okay if they had not been too greedy. But they were greedy, and they put in a lot more melamine than had ever been used wow. before, so much that when people looked later, they could see crystals of it in oh. the pet food. Um, and melamine and one of its byproducts, melamine itself isn't toxic, but it forms byproducts, and when it mixes with its byproducts, it forms little teeny crystals. And these crystallized in the kidneys of cats and dogs and destroyed their kidneys and their kidney function, and that's what they died of, was kidney failure. See, one thing that people don't realize when they read the back of their pet food package, it says, let's say, 32% protein. Okay, you can boil a shoe and find some protein in that shoe. They don't, you know, that's the difference between a good dog food and a bad dog food is the fact, or well, a better dog food, is that what is that the purity of that protein? Just like they were saying they get protein from the melamine, I, I, you know, that's what people don't realize, and that's why we've got to teach people to read labels so they understand a little bit about what's going into the dog foods and the cat well, foods. The labels have to say where, where the ingredients come from, and they couldn't boil up old shoes. Well, no, 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 no I <laughs> realize that. But as far as they the, would, you know, they would have to put that on the label, and nobody would buy it. Well, yeah, but I'm so saying I the, don't think it's that. I don't think it's all that bad. But, well, no, the, the quality of protein in some dog foods are better than the quality of proteins in others. It's more digestible. Well, was, well, that's certainly true. Yeah. So you know what, Marion, we're going to take a quick break. You're listening to Dishing Up Nutrition, brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness. You know, today we're learning how nutrition affects your pets, and guess what? It also affects your kids. And we have a great class. This, In fact, it's starting this morning at uh, Wyzetta. It's called Foods to Build Happy, Focused Kids. And if you, you know, if you're free this morning, it starts at 930. Just stop in, sign up, and attend the class. It's a two-hour class. And if that doesn't work for you, we're going to be teaching it again in St. Paul on August 24th. And for young adults, we have a great class being taught in Wyzetta, Nutrition for Young Adults. And it's perfect for any of those kids heading off for college. Check our website, weightandwellness.com. And if you have questions about pet food today, it's 651-641-1071. And we'll be back in a minute. Well, welcome back to Dishing Up Nutrition. I'm Darlene Kavis, licensed nutritionist. 
And joining me is Katie Canine, the host of the Katie Canine Show on Sunday at 4. Yep. And Dr. Marion Nessel, author of Feed Your Pets Right. And if you have a question about what to feed your pets, our number here is 651 651- Six four one one zero seven one. You just open a can of worms by giving uh, that one out. I know. <laughs> Say, Marion, I wanted to uh, break in here a little bit quick. And just this book, Feed Your Pet Right, is like the Bible. I am just so impressed by this book. It's when I got a copy. It's one of those advanced, uncorrected proofs. And I just, I cannot put it down. There's so much information and the information that you have, you know, put together that this would be a a book that every pet owner needs to read if they're going to own a pet, whether it's a, you know, whether it's a cat or a dog, the way you break it down is phenomenal. And just the information in it it makes you really think sometimes the thinking process is, well, (laughs) because I do a little bit of everything with my dogs and uh, I I give, I cook for them because I did a a simple cooking uh, for a cookbook for dogs uh where right after the the you know recall everybody you know was paranoid and so i said okay you can start cooking it's not rocket scientists but anyway so we'd put a book out with supplements and such like that but then also then you know i do dehydrated i do kibble i do uh raw i do you know deep fried i always call it deep fried (laughs) it's called freeze dried (laughs) you know i do i i mean my dogs have literally junk stomachs and that's the biggest thing that i found in the pet world is that we were told a long time ago that you find a good food and you feed it forever and that's the wrong thing for a pet to do. The pet needs variety, balance over time. But the people have to understand what to feed. What's unbelievable if you don't, you know, like on the treats. I started recently reading. I don't give my dogs treats other than broccoli and cauliflower and stuff like this, okay? Good stuff. But uh, the, the high fructose corn syrup that's in, in the treats, the sugars, the propylene glycols, the, it's just amazing. Uh, and some of the, like the raw high chews, the packages are, they say, wash your hands after handling it. Well, <laughs> Oh, well, then, and I'm feeding this to my dog. It's like, you know, people just don't, they just take things for granted. And it's so important for them to get out and read and educate themselves, you know, and listen to shows like this uh, and, and my show, because that's what it's all about, is that we have to educate ourselves more for our pets to, uh, what I never understood is that our dogs are living less, you know, time than more time with all our technology. It used to be the old farm dog that just got scraps and never seen a kibble in his life, lived to be 20 years old. He never seen a vet a day in his life. And he was eating organic food. There you go. <laughs> and, the, and and now we give, try to give them the best food, the best treats, the best care, and they're dying of cancer. The majority of die, they don't die of old age anymore. They die of cancer, and there, there's got to be a reason behind it. So, Katie, as long as you're on talking so much, and I know... <laughs> you, Here I go. <laughs> <laughs> so, I know that you are adamant about keeping pets at normal weight. Oh, that totally blows me nuts. I just, I, I just, I, I blows my mind. Actually, is that uh, the it's sixty percent? It's either sixty-two, sixty-seven percent of of all household pets, dogs and cats, are and obese. People. Not just fat. They're obese. Oh, okay. You know, <laughs> and, and the, I mean, dogs are they don't stride anymore. They waddle. And and then same with cats, they just lay and hang out because they can't move. And so that's why if they learn to feed their pet right, you know, with Marion's book here, as far as what to do better, you know, to read those labels and such like that, that would be the, the, the biggest thing because it makes a lot of sense. Well, one day I walked by and saw you teaching and I noticed that you were showing people how to weigh and measure food. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the biggest problem is, is that what people do is they, they give the dog a cup of dog food. And so what, what's their version of a cup is an actual 
you know, a measuring cup, but it's usually not. And so that's why the first step is, is you read the back. It tells you how much. But then remember, your dog food companies don't know what your dog does all day. Does he lay in a couch all day waiting for you to come home? Or is he going 100 miles an hour with the kids? So he has different caloric intake. Yes. And so this way here, you got to go by week, every week, every Sunday. I look at my animals and I touch my animals. You know, I feel. Now, do you feel thinner? Then I'm going to bump up your food. Do you feel fatter? I'm going to, you know, uh, uh, bump it down. But most pet owners, if they would stand above their pets and run from the first rib to the back rib, they won't be able to feel them. Or if they run their thumb from the shoulder blades down to the, you know, their backbone, down mm-hmm. to the tail, you, you should be able to get up thump, 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 all the way down. And you, you they most of them can't. And so that's so what they, a lot of people's excuses are, oh, that's, that's, that's their fur. <laughs> well, you know what? You know, I say, give me the hose. <laughs> Katie, I had my kids, my grandkids at the swimming pool yesterday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, at the Y having their lessons. And I was just looking at all the lifeguards. And the lifeguard size have really changed since when I took my kids oh, really? to their swimming lessons. <laughs> yes. And I think that maybe somebody should be checking those ribs, too. <laughs> no, no kidding. But in so, Marion's book here, you know, like I said, she points <clears throat> out now, Marion, now how many, bil- how many billions of dollars does a pet food industry you bring in? Um, it's an enormous industry. It's about $18 billion a year now. Uh, it's a really big industry, and that was one of the reasons why I got involved in it. In the first place, I'd been writing about food politics and writing about human food. Um, I was working on my book, What to Eat, that came out in 2006, which was a book about uh, issue, food issues for people, and I used supermarkets as an organizing device for that book <laughs> and went into a supermarket and went aisle by aisle through it. And here was this enormous pet food aisle. In the store that I was mostly going to, it was 120 feet long yep. with dog foods on one side and cat foods on the other. And I would pick up the products and look at the labels. I didn't have a clue what they meant. And I thought, this is amazing. How can I not understand right. what these things say when I'm an expert on food labels? Well, I am so happy that you took, you, you took that, you saw that, and then, like I said, you came out with this book, Feed Your Pet Right, because, it, it, like I said, it is the Bible. Every pet owner needs that, because the information it just goes nonstop in it. Oh, well, thank you. And I wanted to mention something about the, uh, the cooking for your pet business, mm-hmm. because that was one of the funniest things that my co-author, Mal Nesheim, who's an expert in animal nutrition, mm-hmm. um, and I ran across as we were doing this, we got a copy of the Hills Company's enormous <laughs> clinical nutrition for cats and dogs book, and it goes on and on and on about how you shouldn't um, cook for your pet because you're going to put them at horrible nutritional risk. And then they have a recipe for dog and cat food that is so simple that anybody could Oh, buy. yeah. Well, you know, it's not rocket science. You know, dogs, I, I just tell everybody, you know, what you eat, give to the dog. Uh, stay away from grapes, raisins, macadamia nuts, and, and onions, and uh, the rest of it is, and you just just like us. We, well, if you eat healthfully, your pets will eat healthfully. Yes, yes that's definitely. the trick, though. Yeah, that is. <laughs> very much so. If you're not obese, your pets won't be obese. Oh, that's, you know what, though? I'm a little bit thick in the ribs myself, <laughs> uh, but the thing is, I I have the most gorgeous horses. I got my, I mean, animals, my dogs, my cats, my horses, my goat, everything I own has just a gorgeous waistline. But I am a little bit thick in the ribs myself. <laughs> so but, I remember but people you're control. not as thick as you used to be. Well, yeah, so I'm, you yeah, see? I'm, yeah, I'm getting uh-huh. thin. I'm getting thinner. <laughs> so let's take a caller here. All right. Good morning, Peggy. Welcome to Dishing Up Nutrition. You have a question? Well, thank, you. thank you very much for taking my call. I am, um, I own five secondhand cats. Okay. 
And Thank you one for adopting. <laughs> has been losing weight for about a year. We think he's 14, and we believe he w- was found in the Everglades and then gone up this direction. Okay. But we've had blood work done on him. Nothing turns up. And they did find symptoms of heartworm, which could be the result of his Everglade experience. We feed him wellness canned food and some dry food. And I, I'm just wondering if there's something else we could maybe try and feed him. I don't know if it's just old age or if, you know. Is he losing weight or is he just a thin cat? Pardon me? Is he losing weight or is he just a thin cat? Oh, no, he's losing weight. Okay, so now how much does he weigh now? Um, I'm not exactly sure. I didn't write it down the last time. I guess I should have done that. But, but I mean, he's he's bony. Okay, what's he, his coat like? Does he shed a lot? He doesn't, but but he looks, I don't know, his, he just looks like he's, you know how some people wake up in the morning and their hair is just all mussed up all the time? Yeah. <laughs> you know what? You, how we look. You know what you I should mean, try? Because the wellness canned food is great. Uh, you want the grain-free, preferably. And if you give any dry food, you want the grain-free dry. But remember, cats are desert animals. They, can't, they get their moisture from what they eat. And they mm-hmm. cannot drink enough water to compensate for dry matter. So I would say that what you need to do, uh, I, uh, you know, I would stick with more with the canned and the good canned, like Evo or Tiki Cat or something like that. But what I would tiki add cat, to tiki, tiki, cat? yeah, T I K, T I K I. But okay, what I would what, add to his one? diet, I would add, uh, um, and Dar's gonna love this one, coconut oil. You want cold pressed coconut oil, extra version. And you want okay. to start putting it on, mix it in with his food gradually. Start out with just a couple drops. That coconut oil is phenomenal in the animal world. It helps a lot of dogs and cats that deal with a lot of digestive disorders, okay. IBS and such like that. And then it helps their coat. And that might just kick his metabolism in and where that he might be more apt to eat. And uh, dogs or cats that are on canned food will... Uh, be a little bit on the thinner side, anyway. But if he's losing weight, first thing I thought it was diabetes. You know, mm-hmm. is that if he's losing weight? But yeah, well, but they, that would have shown up. Oh yeah, definitely, work. definitely. Yeah. But no, I would just try uh, giving him a variety more, more canned food. Give him a variety. Get some more fats into his. Get the missing link or sea meal, um, and, uh, and add that. But gradually, every cats are very finicky. You add it too fast, they're gonna turn their nose up to it. Okay. Okay. Now you said tiki cat, and what was the other one? Evo, E V O. Okay. Evo. And then wellness, grain free. Uh, instinct. Right. If you go to any of the Chuck and Don stores, they know what oh, I that's like. That's where we go. They, okay. they know us. We're yeah. Regular. Okay, so you just go there and say, okay, point me to Katie's canine section. <laughs> okay. And then with the coconut oil, you said it should be cold? No, it's... it's Go ahead. It's a cold pressed. It's cold pressed. Oh, and, cold pressed. And yeah, okay. it's one teaspoon per 10 pounds of body weight. Okay. Okay. So that's not I'll very much it. to yeah, start that, out with. Yep. Thank you for taking my call. Hey, yeah. thank you. Yeah, thank you. So I, I just have a, before we even go on break, I wanted to ask Marion another question. Sure. You know, who should we rely on, Marion? A lot of people rely on their veterinarian for, you know, what to feed their pets. Who- oh, dear. <laughs> well, Katie, you're going to have to forgive me on this one. Um, I'm One of the things that we were just shocked by was how little training veterinarians get 
Bingo. <laughs> unless they're self-taught or unless they're lucky enough to go to one of the very, very few schools that has some nutrition training. Um, they get most of their information about nutrition from pet food companies, as far as we can tell. Well, who Certainly sponsors uh, the big wings at the, uh, all the vet schools, Science Diet and IMES? So they're well, beholden to that. So, you know, they sponsor you bet. scholarships and fellowships and uh, t- send people into schools to teach. They give the students backpacks. Um, certainly at the Cornell Veterinary School, which is the one that I'm most familiar with, every student in the school gets free pet food for their pet yes. all the time that they're in uh, in vet school. And, of course, by the time they're finished, their advice to people is going to be give them a can of whatever product I'm most familiar exactly. with. Exactly. And you know what? The, at the U of M right now, the nutrition class is optional <gasps> for to becoming a vet. <gasps> Isn't that unbelievable? Yes, it is. Unbelievable and that's what drives today. me nuts because I get a lot of clients that say, you know, well, why doesn't my vet tell me this? I said, they're because great with disease. doesn't know anything. Exactly. About. They're great at diseases and always, mm-hmm. but they don't know anything about nutrition. Well, we could pull that into other areas, we too, could, but we won't today. But yeah, but if, if they get if they get her book, Feed Your Pet Right, by Marion, you know, Marion, to be honest with you, I thought your last name was Nestle. Sorry. Oh, no, no relation. <laughs> but anyway, no, but, it, but it, now where can, where can they get your book? Uh, any bookstore. Any bookstore? The Amazon.com and all the whole bit? online. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Yep, published yep. by a mainstream publisher, uh, Free Press of, whoops, sorry. No, that's <laughs> yeah. whatever. Free, free Press of Simon & Schuster. Okay. You no, know, it's a mainstream publisher, so it should be in bookstores. Oh, that, yeah, because this is, uh, it is, it's a phenomenal book. I just can't say enough. Everybody well, needs this you. book. They need it. <laughs> okay, so we're going to take a quick break. You're listening to Dishing Up Nutrition, and we're discussing nutrition for pets. If you have a question for Katie or for Marion, call us at 651-641-1071. And I just want to give you a little heads up about next week's show. Uh, joining Cara and myself will be Liz McMahon, and she's from the Mississippi Market, and we're going to talk about what's organic, what's natural, what's local, and all those things that people have questions about. So we'll be back in a minute. Well, welcome back to Dishing Up Nutrition. You know, this fall, it may be time to take our weight and wellness series of classes. And Katie, you did that, didn't you? Oh boy, did I! And I, it was the best six weeks of my life. It was two hours each week. Took it up at a white bear. I the first week I come away with my jaw like, well, hello. And once again, it start read the labels and what they mean makes all the difference in the world. Because each week you separate, you know, you like one week is heart, one week is metabolism, you know, yeah, and you mm-hmm. get a nice three week notebook so that you know my brain can't comprehend everything. But there's I, a lot of material oh, in that. It is, and it's I t- I tell everybody take the class because you'll just be dumbfounded. The biggest thing that I learned as far as just a little bit, you know, don't jump into it. I'm not one to, you know, I'm so busy that, you know, I try to do things right. And so, you know, as long as you just start making aware of what you're putting through your lips, you know, as far, you know, read the labels, don't do the high fructose corn syrup, you know, and uh, just a little bit at a time, pick it away. And all of a sudden your habits start changing yes. and changing. And it's just, and all of a sudden I'm down 25 pounds. I know so, you look great. And so it's just, it, it's just, it was just a little bit like at a time. And it's not diet, are you? No, no, that's exactly it. it, it is, it's phenomenal. Better. And, and the, the, the knowledge is just, uh, it's like. 
wow, it's a, just a big eye opener. And so I, I, boy, I'm a big advocate of yours. I tell people, listen to your show and sign up for a class. <laughs> and then you have discounts too if you sign up. Yep, that's that, right. Yeah, that if one, if like if I get one person to sign up, I get you know so much off, and they get so much off. And so I really, I brought four people plus myself, so five of us attended the class. And you had fun that way. Oh, it was a lot of fun. And we compared notes, and then we went out to lunch every day after, <laughs> but we ate healthy. <laughs> so let's take a few callers here. All righty then. It's Kari? Yes. Hi, you have a question for us today. Um, yes, I do. Um, I have a 15-year-old female cat, and um, she's always had some bad habits. She used to live with a friend of mine, who used to, and she used to poop on her bed. She now pees on my bed and poops outside of the kitty litter box, um, and it's usually, um, oftentimes it's diarrhea. And I have changed her diet to no grains. I've changed it to just canned. I've added an extra kitty litter box because I have two cats. Um, she's on digestive enzymes and probiotics and um, a homeopathic remedy, and nothing is helping. As far as what, the diarrhea or doing uh, yeah, doo-doo? She still has um, loose stools. She still poops outside of the litter box. She still pees on my bed almost every day, and it's driving me crazy. Okay, are your litter box in the same room? Uh, no, they're in separate. Good, that's good. Okay, um, I would then once again go back to the coconut oil. You'll be okay. you'll be just amazed. Uh, the, uh, coconut oil is a cure for a lot of the digestive disorders and just overall. Uh, and I would I'd strongly start try doing that. But see, the the doing it on uh, how often is it like a daily thing or once a week thing that she does the uh, outside the litter box? Um, I'd say every few days. Okay, because that's that to me sounds like a little bit of a power struggle there, especially any time a dog or a cat goes potty in your bed, that's that's a, that's a power play, and so there there might be some uh, in the in the pack order, you know what the cats and dogs that there might be a little bit of problem there. So I guess uh, you should call my show on Sunday so we can we could talk a little bit more about that, okay? Because sure, we can what time is that again? we can help you. It's on Sundays from four to six. Okay. Okay. Or you can call yeah, and just call back on this number. Yep. Just yeah, same number because this one here, like I say, we we got other callers here, and we've got Marion Holt patiently on yes, the line. So, yes. but so this okay. can get into, and also the litter has sometimes a big deal with it. If you just go back to standard litter, a lot of times that will solve it. But call me on Sunday, okay? All right. Thanks. Thank you. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so one of the questions that I wanted to ask Marion is, you know, we know that about seventy percent of the pet owners said that they would go into debt. <laughs> for their pet's health. And I think I've seen a few of my family members do that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, you know, Marion, until I read your book, I didn't even realize that pet food actually contains rendered ingredients. So come on, talk a little bit about rendered ingredients and kind of your take on that. Well, you know, it sounds funny, terrible, yeah. but then as I read... <laughs> yeah, I, I have a strong stomach for this sort of thing that I realize <laughs> not everybody does. I mean, the big revelation to me when I was working on this book was that pets eat the same foods that we do. They just eat them uh, in a different way yep. and from different parts of the animal. So we don't eat usually the hearts or spleens or kidneys of the animals that we slaughter for food um, we eat the muscle meat and if you look at a cow a cow weighs 800 to 1,000 pounds 500 pounds of that 
is going to be thrown away and wasted. Yeah, something. Uh, and mm-hmm. one use that has uh, emerged for those parts is food for cats and dogs who couldn't care less which part of the animal it comes from. So yeah. true. Um, and so there are two different ways in which those parts are treated. One is sort of uh, you use the meat fresh and you cook it and incorporate it into the food. The other is you render it with a lot of other ingredients and other parts of other animals and make kind of a slurry out of it. And to the extent that what went into that is okay, it should be a perfectly reasonable and nutritious product. Uh, what has you know, come out over the years, uh, and I think used to be a common practice, was that they would put animals that were in roadkill or animals that died in pet shelters and things like that into the rendered ingredients. And that's just horrible to think about. Um, as far as we could tell, that's not happening anymore, and we certainly hope it's not happening anymore. And one of our recommendations was that the rendering industry should set up a certification system so, so that they can assure the public that they're not doing that kind of thing. Yeah, there were some tests that you did. Would the, the, uh, does, uh, uh, well, the FDA tested it, and they didn't right. find pet parts in right. pet food. They found the parts of other animals, which I thought was bad enough, but yeah. uh, the um, but they didn't. And so, but there's plenty of evidence that it used to happen. And in fact, we talked to a renderer at one at one of the trade shows that we went to, who said, "Oh yeah, they had set up the rendering plant right next to an animal shelter." Mm-hmm was very convenient, but that that's absolutely not happening anymore, and it hasn't happened for years. See, and pet food, when it very first came back, or came into existence, they used to use all horse meat. Oh, yes. Yep. Oh, yeah. And people we have a long are... section in the book about yep. horse meat, yep. because um, I actually have copies of labels that say that they had horse meat in, and we, 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 we reproduced one of those labels in the book. Yeah, I see that. Uh, and that went on for a really long time until the uh, people who are interested in the rights of horses stop that. And we, and although horse meat is allowed in pet food yeah. in the United States, we couldn't find a single pet food. Yeah, no, there'd be too that. much repercussions. There's too many equestrians. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, I mean, score one for the animal rights people. There you go. Really good job on this. Yeah. So let's take another caller. Hi, Sue. Welcome to the show. Good morning. I'm glad to hear my two favorite shows are merged. Yay! <laughs> Nutrition and my, Wellness. My, yeah, my two favorite shows, too. <laughs> Here's my question. I have a four-year-old Cavalier who eats um, everything possible and really, really good food, and I have no problems with her eating. I'm going to be having an 18-month-old Cavalier come over and stay for a week while I do doggy daycare. And this dog is so picky. It wouldn't even, it, it eats Nutrisource, but it wouldn't eat the chicken. It would only eat the lamb. I've tried using the frozen nuggets. I've tried using everything. How long can I go with this dog not eating before I get concerned? Uh, or any tricks for getting the dog to eat? I want to know whose dog is this. Yeah. And how come they didn't bring the dog's food along with the dog? I'm sorry, I didn't hear what she said. She said, "Why? Did, whose dog? Something was whose dog is it? But why don't they bring the food along with the dog?" Oh, they probably they will. But my concern is this dog just kind of looks at this food that I've made, you know, that looks really good. In fact, they did bring over some turkey and kibbles, and I mixed it all together with 
some nice warm water and everything, and it looked very appetizing, smelled great. The dog looked at it and walked away. <laughs> Would not eat his lonely. own food. Yeah, there you go. No, there are, there are some finicky dogs, but it usually it's caused by the owners. Uh, and so the thing is, is that you, you just got to stick to your guns. You know, technically, you know, a, a dog can go where a cat cannot go longer than 12, 14 hours without food, without having some damage to the insides. A uh-huh. dog could go for weeks. As long as he's got okay. water, he, it's not going to hurt anything inside. And okay. so I, I would, what I would do is slowly add to the dog's diet, you know, with a little piece of something, maybe canned chicken here or something, you know what I mean, where the dog gets more of a, of variety, then all of a sudden it's, it's, it's enjoying a variety is what I would do. Okay. Okay. I thought I was doing everything possible, but but that's good to know if the dog doesn't eat for a week, it won't die. Yeah, that's they good. won't die. I mean, but there are some dogs, you know, just obviously you know, if the dog starts, like, you can't get up, there's a problem there. But no, but the whole thing is, is that a lot of times when we just stick to our guns, we put it down, the dog walks away from the dish, you pick it up, put it away to the next feeding time, no treats in between. All of a okay. sudden when that dish comes down, that dog's going to be hungry no matter what's in it. Perfect. Thank okay. you so much for merging your, your uh, show. <laughs> hey, no Thank problem. You. So, you know what? We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to Dishing Up Nutrition, and we're talking about how to feed your pets. And, Katie, you're going to be doing something tomorrow? Well, is I'm going to be for Pins for Pets out at Flaherty Bowling Lanes. Uh, that's uh, It's for SNAP, uh, Minnesota Spade Neuter Program. And I'm going to be up there doing my live show, uh, show live from 4 to 6. That's tomorrow and up at Flaherty's and Arden Hills. And so you're raising money. Yes, we're raising money. So come on out and bowl. It's 20 bucks to bowl for uh, two games of bowling, shoes, lunch, a great tote bag, a whole bunch of prizes. You can c- just come in and c- get up there by 2 at least to register for it because bowling starts at 3. Okay, so we'll be right back. Okay. Well, welcome back to Dishing Up Nutrition. And I've got a few questions for Marion. Marion, of all the books that you've written, what is your favorite book? Marion? I'm sorry? Oh. Oh. <laughs> she dozed off. <laughs> I don't sorry. blame you. It's okay. early out there in New York. <laughs> so of all the books that you've written, what's your favorite book that you've written? Oh, that's like asking me to choose between my children. Oh. <laughs> that's true. Well, the firstborn was Food Politics, so that came out in 2002 and in a revised edition in 2007. And that's the book that really established um, the whole business about what the food industry's role is in nutrition and health, not only for pets, but for people. Um, and each of the subsequent books, the next one was about food safety, safe food, now called the politics of food safety, uh, which is about the failures in our food safety system. And pet food politics was a direct outgrowth in, of that. It was an investigative report on what happened during the uh, food safety recalls, the melamine recalls of pet food in 2007. Um, That book was meant to be just a little short appendix to Feed Your Pet Right, but it got kind of out of hand. (laughs) As books always do. (laughs) And the more I got into it, the more I was just absolutely horrified by what was going on um, at every possible level. Uh, I didn't think the pet food companies behaved very well. I didn't think the government behaved very well. And really, it was up to consumers and some of the consumer advocacy groups for pets, like Pet Connection, that were really carrying the ball on trying to find out what happened and to protect the animals. See, and one thing that people really need to know is that the pet food industry regulates itself. And that's where a lot of the stumbling stones are, which I, which by your book, you, you know, feed your pets right. Yeah, that it's you a found is that they system. 
system. Yeah, they don't open their arms to outsiders to let them know what's behind the closed doors very often. Yeah, I mean, that was one of our experiences. We couldn't get into a lot of places. I mean, they acted as if we were doing industrial espionage. <laughs> and we ended up thinking that commercial pet food wasn't really all that bad. We just wished they did a better job of keeping it safe. Right. There's just been one recall after another of yep. uh, improperly formulated pet food or unsafe pet food this year um, and last year and ever since. Um, but the you know it's an industry that's a spin-off from main food companies the main food companies big ones like Nestle uh, and Mars M&M Mars for example is the largest pet food producer in the world yeah. wow people don't realize that yeah Which, a lot of these you know, big I don't think anybody realizes who owns what they don't understand who yeah who's the parent companies are so we tried are. to clarify all of that in the book and explain how the industry works it's really a critical analysis of the pet food industry yes it is um, and explaining things that i thought if i didn't understand them there were probably lots of other people who yeah. didn't understand them either <laughs> probably true somebody who wanted to know about these things didn't really have a single source and i have to say we went into it um, with what we thought were open minds we were, i didn't know anything about it at all and just wanted to know what the industry was about, what these products were about, what was in them, what the labels meant, what on earth the advertising meant, because it seemed to me that the advertising was completely bizarre. Yes, it is. The um, words that are on the label, the, uh, the words on the packaging, you know, to entice people, uh, you know, to buy their product. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you feel like you can't, if you're not giving your pet this particular product, you're doing something terrible. Oh. <laughs> and we did very close analysis of, of the labels and a lot of price comparisons and price shopping where we would take 10 premium brands of chicken dinners for dogs, for example, and compare the ingredients. And to us, they looked exactly alike. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, we just couldn't see that there was any difference between them at all, and yet the prices varied yep. by a factor of two or three. And what people don't realize, when they buy it from the grocery store, they pay a lot more per pound for that food, and usually those are more of the low-grade foods, and the better-grade foods are all into, like, your, your local mom-and-pop shops uh, for, for that. You know, the dog foods... Uh, people unfortunately buy a recognition what they see on TV, what they're familiar with, mm -hmm. and they forget to well, read so the label. Well, they, so no, that's exactly that, it, that name recognition. Sold to people. Oh, exactly, exactly. I'm just so happy that you took and looked at the pet food aisle and got curious because uh, be, because you did not know anything about it. That was the perfect person to go into it because you were like most people. They don't know what to, how to read a label of a dog food. They don't. Well, of course, they my co-author did know, and that made it possible. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you worked together because you were he had the brains, but you had the inquisitiveness. You know, whereas what does that mean? What does that, you know? Talk to me. So you were us, you know, the everyday people. So that was. It just came together really great. Oh, thank you so much for saying that. Yep. So, Marion, if you had if some, if someone was to pick up your book, what is kind of the main point that you want to help people understand about uh, how to feed your pet? Well, that you that there is no one right way to do it. Just like people eat lots of different kinds of diets, you can feed pets different kinds of diets too. And if the food that you're eating isn't the food that you're feeding your pet isn't working either for you or for your pet 
for one reason or another, you can change it. Yes. And that's really okay. Balance variety over time, and time is one week. I try to tell all my <laughs> my people, you know, to rotate your food within a week or if, well, every that other day. Like good advice. Yeah, because <laughs> the longer they're on one kind of food, then the, the exact same thing, a higher chance of allergies, and that's what a big problem. It used to be uh, if you had 10 pets in a room, one pet might have allergies. Now it's the other way around. If you've got 10 pets in a room, 10 to 1, 9 of them have allergies. And wow. it's all due to what they're eating. Wow. So how about another question, you know, that comes up all the time, I think, is that we know that, you know, food affects people's memory and focus and concentration and behavior and so does a lot. So does, does it pets. do that with and fish oil, believe it or not, fish oil, if you start giving puppies fish oil, uh, 500 milligrams a day till they get about six months, and then depending on the size of the dog, you go up from there, they ha- they're they more trainable because it, 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 uh, the neutrons in their brain start connecting and, and doing well. <laughs> and so the fish oil is a, the best thing that you can give all animals, even cats. So they have, you know, they have the liquid form and, and, and pill form, so... So one of the things we have a lot of callers on the in the, they're all stacked up here yeah. on the line. They can but, call me on sun, tomorrow, and and, I, and, the, and you can answer all those uh, questions that we didn't get to. You bet, or they can email me up. At, you know, just go to my talk one zero seven one, and then go to my show page, and then just email me their questions or call. Now tomorrow I'm going to be up at Pins for Pets. Yes. And so I, I, you know, there's people I'll be interviewing and stuff. I won't have as much, but I, I still can still call in. Otherwise, we'll get to them next week. So. Okay. So and that's... I have a website, foodpolitics.com. Oh, do you? Have oh, food? good. Oh, good, good. I'm going to put And you know and what? I Twitter I... at Marion Nestle. Okay. Oh, good, good plug. And what I want to get you on my show, Marion, because so we could talk oh, more, I'd too. I'd be delighted. So I'm going to, uh, uh, Dar gave me all the information, so I'm going to give you a holler, and we're going to get you on my show I'll, on Sunday. Oh, that and now, you don't great. have to get up so early. My show is 4 o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> so we really appreciate you being on, both Katie and Marion. My and, pleasure. Uh, it's been a great show, and thank you both, and have a great day, everyone. Go pick up her book. Oh, thanks so much. Feed your pet right. It's great. Sleep at the morning time, drop all his petals on me. Life, I love you. All is groovy.